Howdy, strangers. Al Mirabella here, the host of High Strangeness, a podcast about beliefs and the people that believe them. (sighs) Guys, I thought things were going to be okay by now, but they mad aren't. (laughs) Uh, My home state of Florida just reversed a bunch of decisions they had made about kawoo policies and procedures, and that shit stinks. Uh, But also, you know, we had to reverse that stuff to keep our parents and the immunocompromised from getting sick, right? You know, something that's uh, unique about being midway through the end of the world is this kind of interesting perspective we're afforded. One day all this is going to end, and I'm going to be able to go back to my favorite tea shop. And that experience is going to be so much fuller and more powerful than it was before. I'm echoing other folks' words here, but I've taken so much for granted for so long that I I didn't even realize. Things that I I didn't think my tea shop was going to go away, you know? And I definitely didn't think my tea shop was going to go away for this long so abruptly. The trippy part is that, you know, you, you can use that gratitude to power your thoughts about the things that you do have. I've been trying to see things I still have with the perspective of someone who's lost them. That's the same space we look at to find compassion and empathy. I have a call to action this week. I want you to write in and tell me something you do have that you'd be lost without. Maybe it's a partner who has helped carry you through this tumultuous, fucked up hellscape. Maybe it's a movie or a TV show that serves as an escape. Maybe it's something more ethereal than that. Kindness. Rain. Pets. Let me know by emailing me at highstrangecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at at highstrangecast. I'm going to read some on the show next week because we're in this together and I have nothing but love in my heart for all the strangers out there that tune in. This week on the show, I talked to R. Alex Murray. He's a podcaster, actor, comedian, friend, confidant, and chaos wizard. It's a fucking trip, man. But before we can do that, somebody play my theme song. The truth does not require your belief. The truth is real. Oh shit, maybe we're all astral projecting all the time. Maybe that's what a Facebook post is. Maybe the Facebook post is just uh, us like projecting our thoughts into like a space that, you know, we couldn't before someone helped us, before a bunch of technomancers stepped in and made something for us to be able to like blast our thoughts around the world with. Huh. I think this is so crazy, but when I think to the future of like, we will be uploaded to some sort of cloud or computer simulcrum or something like that. The link back will be like that. We were all posting on Facebook. The internet was not a place where you put your personality at really until people started using social media. And then everybody kind of started doing it with Facebook. So honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if eventually we're like 40 years from now, Facebook is like the ultimate power within the United States and like they have, you know, the equivalent 40, 40, power year, 40 of, years uh, from now, you're, you're suggesting that we're not there. Like, well, yes. Okay. But I think that it will be much more translucent in 40 sure. years. I think in 40 years, Facebook will just be like looked at like a body of the government. It's like, you know, there's the three branches of the government and then there's Facebook, which is where all of our brains live, yeah. where they can scan you for thought crimes or whatever. For sure. Yeah, the three branches of the government, Amazon, Facebook, and Seamless, and the three of them govern our lives completely. Yeah, totally. What is Seamless? Is that something? Is that a website? That sounds like a place I would use my, upload my credit card to. That's, oh, fuck yeah, dude, because it's the one that sends you the food. Is that, wait, oh, is this, is this, is this like a, do you not know what Seamless is? No, no, okay, there's a several of those, and I think I actually have this app downloaded on my phone. I, maybe it's my area. It's not super prominent it's, here. It's gotta be. It is. Yeah, that's fair. It's uh, sorry. Is that what, is that my, is that what the NYC do? My do, le- my left seamless? coast liberal elitism assumes that everybody <laughs> knows about the seamless. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's you. It's the thing where I pick up my phone and I scream at it. Bring me all the lasagna now. I have a hunger. Are you a big lasagna fan? I love lasagna. Uh, it is one of my favorite foods. Uh, it is one of the few things that I grew up. Both my parents were teachers at a boarding school. So I grew up eating only cafeteria food. And for whatever reason, lasagna is a thing that 
Aramark absolutely just knocks out of the park, man. Not so good with the hamburgers, uh, not so good with the pork chops, but woo, they can make a lasagna. And uh, man, I just I don't know. I grew up loving it. And uh, when at some point I at like a um, scholastic book fair in the third grade when I went in and I picked it, you know, light shone from a Garfield Fat Cat three pack and I picked it up and I looked at it. I was like, oh, this dude gets me. All right. All right. Book fair. God bless the scholastic book fair. I was a really man. You talk about feeling rich. You take $15 your parents gave you to the Scholastic <laughs> Book Fair. You're coming out of there. First off, you had to get a book because they said you had got to get a book. You you didn't realize that they didn't realize that you were also going to get a pin that pushed down and had four different color inks. Hell, oh, God. Yeah. How much time did you spend trying to get all four of those things to come out at once? Just constantly, like, just, constantly. I don't uh, think I ever wrote with them. I think I was like, I don't want to write with it unless I can write in the entire rainbow. No, it was a, it was a like a 1998 fidget spinner, basically, just in the back of class, like clack, 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 that, and then you had the one with all the leads, like 40 different leads that you pulled out and like sodomized the pencil with its own used lead nubbin. I know those were those were in theory that is a good pencil. And in practicality, Garbage. it's a terrible pencil. Garbage. Absolutely terrible pencil. I think the pencil is kind of one of those things. We kind of got it in one. We figured the pencil out early <laughs> on. We did the mechanical pencil. And I think there's a merit to the mechanical pencil. But all in all, I would much rather use it. And what are you? What do you call it? An analog pencil? Give me a number two Ticonderoga. Yeah, people have been coming for Ticonderoga for years, man. They're, they're just sitting on the throne. The fucking number two throne. <laughs> just rolling around in it. I think one of the things that I thought would have been better by 2020 is erasers on pencils. I think there's because some companies have erasers on their pencils that are good. And some companies have just absolutely like, like, why do you even put it there? You can't erase anything with this. It's just like a, a pink tip on the end that's just going to smear my lead everywhere. Thank you for my frustration button. Yes, this is great. Thank you. Everyone will know of all the mistakes I've made because now it's a giant smear. You would think people would just stop buying those pencils and those companies would go out and then, you know, or or they would say, well, we got to change the erasers. People are complaining about the erasers. But I had to buy a pack of pencils. I had to buy a lot of pencils semi-recently for a project that I was working on. And the erasers were really, really bad. Oh, yeah, dude. I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess if you're you're writing, I don't know, man. I, I mean, what's a like what are like R&D R&D meetings at Ticonderoga like like what do you do like it's just some bored people like should we update the the eraser no man people are still buying pencils Eh. I know what we'll do we'll take the hexagonal shape and we'll make it round so it's a little bit harder to grip now hey how about you take your shit back over to yikes where that belongs son (laughs) how about you and lisa frank take your fucking neon dayglo nonsense over to yikes where it belongs where's ticonderoga where are they we we live in the octagon i was going through my parents uh garage just kind of like looking for stuff that i could mess around with because i've had nothing to do for three months and I really, really ran into something that was just such an, an artifice of its time, a really beautiful find. I found dated to 1996, a original Lisa Frank journal that nice. had never been written in. Very Ooh. vintage. I immediately took it and put it in my bag. I was like, this, no one is going to appreciate this. Yeah. I'm going to keep this forever. This is just a, an artifact that I have. I don't know. Somewhere there's somebody that's like wants to put that in like a backlit case next to his yak back and his Furby and his, you know, like that's a that's the missing piece to someone's very, very specific collection. Yeah. Somebody really passionate has a tattoo of a trapper keeper on their (laughs) neck. (laughs) (laughs) What's up? Nice to meet you, dude. My name's Trapper. They call me the keeper. <laughs> and I'm traps. and I'm here and I'm here to fucking buy all your troll dolls. Give them up. Um, I I imagine. I mean, I'm sure this exists now, but there's going to be a some sort of museum that people take their kids to that has all this stuff in like 50 years. And the, this museum, of course, is going to be in like a Boise, Idaho, somewhere <laughs> that is a, a big enough place to have this location, but where real estate is not so expensive uh, that they actually have to have to make any money or have anyone visit. It would be a really good roadside attraction too. I think like in the middle of ass nowhere off the side of a highway, right? Just like, yeah, if I 90s saw kids 19- remember, yeah, 1990s, only nineties kids will remember this museum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably the name of the museum. The, or the museum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but you, you you roll up there and I would be like, this is I show my kids like a like a troll doll or at least a Frank stick or something and be like, this is you see this? This is important history. Like, Dad, you are old. Get this shit out of here. Where first off, history started with the fidget spinner, is what my children are gonna tell <laughs> yeah, me. Dude. Like, the first invention anyone ever actually liked. <laughs> we're I think we're we're headed towards like, I mean I don't think it's going to get to this, but we're kind of we're on a path to a Mad Max universe right now. I mean, if the kids in the Crossfire commercial were uh, any sort of uh, prediction, then yeah, dude, that's that's what we're going to do. We're all gonna we're all gonna wear uh, gloves and like like leather jackets with the sleeves cut off and bandanas. We're all going to look like people that would fight Ralph Macchio in a movie, and we're all just gonna we're gonna like fidget spin at each other for glory on top of a bed of flames. God, that commercial was awesome. I think maybe the one thing that has actually genuinely improved, or sorry, has not genuinely improved in time in the media is commercials, because commercials have just gotten progressively worse. I think the downfall of the commercial probably started with like flow from progressive, where they were like, <laughs> that's gonna be a little cheeky, you know, it's like a little funny, it's a little goofy. You know, it's not 100% serious. We don't like to take everything serious here at progressive car insurance. But but no, I miss when commercials were like... <clears throat> Do you want to know what's cool? <laughs> Take this slime and put it on your butt and then fart in it. It's going to be so tight. Your mom's going to hate it. It's like, yes, that's the kind of thing. Hell yeah. And now it's a Pop-Tart. Now the goo, the fart goo is inside of a Pop-Tart. And you're like, hell fuck yeah. Give me yeah, that Pop-Tart. And you can assemble them into a play place for your G.I. Joes. Yeah. <laughs> it's all G.I. Joe branded. Yeah, dude. Everything. Uh, Mattel, Mattel top-down synchronicity. Yeah, they, they had it going on. Hey, do you remember Small Soldiers? This is kind of out, out of Hell yeah. I love that we are. This is turning solidly into a nostalgia <laughs> podcast and not and not a far-outness podcast. But I mean, I don't know, man. Klasky Zupo cartoons got me pretty weird back in the day. Yeah, I remember Small Soldiers. They were great. That was, first off, sort of like a kind of a heavy topic for for a movie of the time. I mean, I'm not saying kids movies didn't cover heavy topics, but it wasn't like like militarization of the But I mean, you like I kind of like spoke to like the violent tendencies of a GI Joe and like yeah. what that kind of does to children a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, and like a oh, you know, you're you're glamorizing these these uh these war criminals. Well, if they actually had a personality and could talk, you'd realize they're assholes. And yeah. really you should just be hanging out with the little monster guys. Little monster guys be hanging up on each other's backs. Yeah, man. It's a bunch There's of the one guy that looks a little bit like a horse, but also kind of like a dog, but also kind of like a person. <laughs> yeah, man. There's a bunch. Of, I mean, I always wanted to hang out with the like chill Eastern philosophy loving pizza eaters down in the sewer. So, oh, man, now that you say that, I guess I kind of never realized just how much, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles informed the person I would become. Oh, God. They're the only reason I gave a shit about Renaissance art. That's for sure. I remember watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a kid, and it's probably difficult for us to really think and wrap our heads around this at the time. But when the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles premiered, that was a Buckwild title. Like, that was like, what is it? What are they? That's a lot of concepts at one time. It is. You watch it. It's like perfect execution. You're like, yeah. yeah, of course. They could not not be one of those things. They have to be all four. All four. It made sense. Well, do you know that? Are you aware that they're a, they are a spoof on Daredevil? Um, I knew that they were kind of like a originally a satire of something. I didn't know it was of Daredevil. It's so the ooze is the same ooze that was in the truck that messed up Daredevil, right? Um, then and it like went down, and it's the same ooze that gave them the same powers. And like Stick is Daredevil's guy, so Splinter was their guy. Oh. And and Daredevil's fighting the hand, so they're fighting the Foot Clan. And they literally made Shredder up. They were like, "What's the dumbest possible bad guy we can have?" <laughs> and they looked around and they saw a cheese grater, and they were like, "We're gonna turn a cheese grater into a bad guy in our comic." And it just took off and became this thing. But so okay, how about this for a segue? Think about what the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were 
and what they started to do in a like chaos magic sense. You've got a whole bunch of people that are combining like Eastern philosophy of like using Kung Fu and fighting for good and like, and like having to stay in the shadows, but like using your power for good. And then, then they also embodied like Splinter made a, made a point of naming them after, um, artists from the like the biggest age of enlightenment in like the western humanity right so the now we've got this synthesis and they're you know they're uh and they're fighting very much against like uh you know uh the forces of modernity right things that like mystics especially in the like 70s new age music movement were like really harping on like the big bad guy is these big giant corporations that are that are you know polluting and and messing shit up by polluting and then they're also hiding i I believe if you read the comics that those same companies were like opening portals to go to other dimensions and other planets to like rape them and take their resources and bring them back. And so the Ninja Turtles is this like synthesis of like the enlightenment of like both hemispheres are coming together to fight that like big giant, you know, technocracy. If only we had the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles now, if we could only have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in my real life dimension to bring down technology. Sorry, Michael Bay fucked them all up with technology. God, Michael Bay. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know if you are familiar with this, but people say that Michael Bay is the worst person in the entire entertainment industry to work for. Yeah, I've heard so he's it's not super weird cool. that he got. It's weird that he got something that badass. It's also weird that he got Transformers because Transformers was very cool until Michael Bay got it. I mean, again, all spark like, you know, this like this, this like spark of life that we're all connected to that we have to, you know, that is that is constantly pitting a good side and a bad side against each other. And like we're in service to like keeping balance. Yeah, that's far out shit for like little kids to look at. Also, little kid heavy concept, man, when Optimus Prime beefed it in the movie. Woo. Hey, are you a are you a Star Wars guy? Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and talk about Star Wars for hours and hours because there's people that will just fucking just turn this off, just straight up turn it off. But I rewatched the first Star Wars movie for the first time in several years, and I'm not really a Star Wars guy, but I had heard, you know, like, oh, a lot of Star Wars is sort of based on like the principles of Eastern philosophy and, you know, they're Kurosawa movies. Yeah, go on. The 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 idea, the juxtaposition of the light side and the dark side, which sounds when you talk about it or when you think about it now, because it's kind of turned into something that's much more contrived, is like it seems so obvious, like, oh, of course, there's like good guys and bad guys. But then you kind of watch the, that first trilogy of Star Wars movies. and You're like, this is not necessarily pitting good guys versus bad guys. This is nope. like pitting powers against one another and powers that have to exist together for there to be balanced. And you're like, things move back and forth. And like. I think that the original trilogy of Star Wars movies, I think that there is a clear implication of what maybe the the good guys are. But I think in the things that the the rebellion are doing are like kind of meant to be looked at. Like, do you see that all of this is kind of it's just sort of a process. It's an infinite process that will go on and continue back and forth. And For there's sure. not really ever going to be an end to it. And that's not a bad thing. It's like there have to be these forces to oppose one another. And like, yeah, for that sure. Opposition is what gives the world. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's flavor. It's so interesting and cool. You've also got like six different monomyths slamming into each other all through <laughs> all through them, which is cool. Like everybody's being each other's call to action and everybody's being each other's like a uh, guardian. And like Yoda manages to be the like wizard um, to, to most people. And then uh, he manages to, Man, I don't know, man. It's, there's a whole lot of stuff. And then you got, you got Pepper, cool. Pepper Dune in. George Lucas like, let me just, just put a little Dune. We're just going to put all the, the accessible stuff from Dune in this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's one that I'm missing, man. The Dune I need to put in my brain. But uh, there's a whole lot else going into my brain at the moment. My girlfriend bought me a copy of Dune, and we started reading Dune together. Like, oh, well, we'll read Dune. We both like Last Podcast, and Henry Zabrowski talks about Dune all the time. And I wanted to just be like, well, I need to have some sort of plane of reference for this. And I have seen the original Dune movie, but that movie doesn't make any sense. And I saw it a really long time ago, and I tried to rewatch it, and it's not particularly good. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'll read the book. And man... Man, talk about a hard book to read. It is a book that if you, you know, like sometimes when you're reading 
everybody has a tendency to like glaze over a couple of lines, but you don't really have to go back because most of the time you can put together what has happened. Sure. Dune is so dense. If you skip four lines and you're not paying 100% attention to the line that you were reading, you are completely lost <laughs> and you have gone. to go back. Yeah, man. I mean, that's some Henry Zabrowski ass shit right there. That dude loves to. I mean, and I, if you continue to listen to Mystical Zanya, what we recently have gotten is that I've sort of like have found myself on like a mysticism, like Dunning Kruger, like, like I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm into this stuff. I've read a lot of this and I'm, I'm into it. And I was into Taoism as a kid because I, I, I was raised in the church and it wasn't nearly far out enough. So I like went far out and started getting stuff. And I was like, all right. And then I've just plummeted down and I was like, oh God, all right, I've really got to get into it. And instead of, instead of reading books about mysticism, what my dumb ass has started doing is going back and just like, just cramming source material for, um, for stuff into my brains. And it has been, oh so much fun. Uh, my my poor wife has had to listen to me scream about Lumerians and Atlanteans and Oregon energy and pyramids for for the last couple months, which has been I don't mean it's fun for me. <laughs> this is a this is a huge part of this podcast is that there are people in my life who are lovely people, very smart, who have passions that they they love to talk about, and I love to listen to them talk about who will not entertain this discussion with me, and I understand. It's a bullshit thing to talk about a little bit. It, not not to say that it is bullshit, but it's like, there is a point where I basically realize I'm repeating myself a lot, but it's like, isn't it crazy? Don't you want to keep talking about this? And they're like, it was great the first four times that we talked about it. Do you think maybe you should start a podcast about it? Just so that I don't have to listen to it anymore. Did you find other people that were obsessed with Led Zeppelin when they were 13 and talk to them? Yeah. Well, hello. I'm here. Yeah, dude. It's it's fun. Well, and that's honestly, that's kind of why we started Mystical Zanya as where it is. Is that like it, it almost always starts off as a goof and we get into weird stuff. And then very then then about at the like 23 minute mark every time of the podcast, there'll be this sort of silence where we're like, oh, fuck, we're talking about. OK, we found it. We found the real ass thing in this. You know, this this if you look deep enough into anything right you start looking close at like whatever whether it's a blade of grass or the work of comic author jim davis um the closer you look the more patterns emerge the more complex and intense it gets and the more then you can like turn outwards and start extrapolating things from that and relating it to your own life and like noticing rules and noticing things that happen and then and then just like using those to be like all right Today, I've been given a toy and Garfield plays with toys this way. And maybe I should look at playing with toys this way. And and because it's about Garfield, it also it allows us at like a moment's notice always to be like, OK, well, this isn't I mean, this is this is bullshit because Jim Davis is a dude who just like saw Snoopy and was like, oh, fuck, if I do a cat, I can also make a fuckload of money. <laughs> <laughs> straight, straight up, dude. Like what do you see it? You think a you think a dog can do this? What? I'm gonna take I'm gonna do it with a cat. You know what? He's gonna be orange. They're gonna eat this shit up. He doesn't get what do a he fuck. do? What are his personality traits? He doesn't like Mondays. No, he hates him. Uh, he loves lasagna. And you know what? Fuck that dog. <laughs> fuck, fuck that, that dog. Fuck, you know you know fuck the all dogs. <laughs> yeah. The the standard sentiment of cats. Fuck that dog. Yeah, dude. If I see a couch that hasn't been fucked up, I'm gonna fuck it up. That's what I do. I'm a cat. I'm all cat. And, but also there's like the like unrelentingness of like things being what they are. We come back to all the time is that like, you cannot fight the nature of things like that's, they're going to do what they are. There are these massive forces that are so far beyond us. And that's, that's also man is, are you familiar with, I'm sorry, John? Yes, I am. I am familiar. This is a terrifying thing. Yeah. It's a the sort of thing, the sort of dart, the other side of the coin from where we are is that like, there's nothing, there's like, it, they look at Garfield like he's just this massive consumptive force, which I think is a bummer because he's more complicated than that, whether Jim wanted him to be or not. Um, Jim also has said in many interviews over and over again that he does not write it. He dreams the strip. He lets Garfield tell him what Garfield is going to do. So like he's not I mean, he is very much a conduit. He is 
like Madame Blavatsky took her information from the masters. Jim is gleaning the strip. He's letting Garfield, the strip is now like working through him and his team. And basically it's like Ouroborosing itself forward, um, which is weird. Uh, the new, new Garfields are very, 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 very strange. Um, the new cartoon with the computers, it's all like they're sort of plot lines that eat themselves. And I don't know. It's weird. I, does that not in some way make you feel like, well, I don't know necessarily it would make you feel this way. But to me, it makes me feel as if your podcast is highly pure. It is, it is distilled in a way like it comes from a from 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 God's source, from the material outside of this material plane. Yeah, it is. It is divined and and filtered by Jim Davis. And yeah. then you you using a similar amount, you know, using a similar style of chaos magic, random generation. Yep. You are you are bringing that reality and and just filtering it down one layer further. Yeah, I think that like and I think this was kind of something I was trying to get at earlier, which is though it is a very silly podcast. I think that it is just as possible to divine real information out of a Garfield comic strip as it is from a tarot card because tarot cards were just that like tarot cards at their creation was They're just a, game. a card game. A yeah, game. And, it, and yeah. somebody saw Lynn. They were like, you know what? I bet you we can like force of will divine information out of these about ourselves. I think it works on two different levels. I think whether or not you believe in that, I think you can look at something. And if you're trying to find information, the subconscious of your psyche will most of the time show you the information that you are meant to see in that moment if you are looking at it critically. Yeah. But also, there's a good chance that the energy of the universe is also trying to show you something in that moment. I mean, 100%. 100%. And this is the thing. There are people doing this. There are people doing chaos magic all of the time, and they don't realize it. Anybody who loves a sports team a whole lot is doing chaos magic. That's what you're up to. You're fucking, you're, you're, you've got rituals around it. You're, you have, you have got sacred robes that you put on. You're covering yourself in symbols. Oh yeah. Covering yourself in symbols. You're dressing things up as like animals and you're you're chanting together you're screaming together you have specific foods that you eat before after during when there are you know it is nothing but a big giant magical ritual and like if you look at i mean that's why i'm a big tennessee titans fan and i love being a tennessee titans fan because you fucking lose all the time and uh and and like you like getting into the flow of your team begins to mean something. And it just, you know, and God fathers hand it down to sons. It becomes family. I'm from, okay. I'm from Northwest Georgia and I worked in, uh, I worked in a, a sports bar in Rome, Georgia for a while before I moved to New York. It was very weird. I was in Nashville. I didn't know what I was doing in my life. My parents were like, fuck it, come home. And I moved home and had a very, very, very strange four months where I basically worked in a pizza place and ran around a circle and a lake and, thought deep thoughts but i worked every saturday and huge college sports right the southeast sec massive big stuff and i cannot tell you the amount of times that i've looked at people been like oh cool you went to auburn no oh well did your dad go to auburn no well why the fuck do you love auburn so much like i don't just do we love war eagle man like somebody just <laughs> somebody just picked a fucking team because they like liked that they had a running back or whatever that fit their flavor for a while and they just got into it. And that's everybody knows the lore. Everybody knows the history. You, you know, bowl games are huge events. And like, how are, how is this not church people? Like, you're, you're, it's the same thing. Have you uh, have you heard the Jerry Seinfeld bit where he talks about how when you're rooting for a sports team, you're essentially just rooting for like a like a piece of clothing yeah because if your father is passing it down to his son odds are that is not the same coach and it's definitely not the same team a lot of the times like their strategies their style of implication completely changes yep you didn't go to that college so the thing that you're still (laughs) you're 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 up on that you're looking for is a is a set of colors yeah on a on an outfit and i don't think that's a bad thing like some people would say like isn't that stupid i'd be like no that's what the, how is that any different from deciding anything else that you're passionate about in life? I think if anything, it's more pure because you're you don't have a set of bullshit obligations yeah, why are you around ma- you're an trying idea. to make it about something else. It's just like, nah, man, I'm a light like, blue. I'm a light family. blue wizard. I'm a light yeah. blue wizard, dude. That's what I do. That's why you know what? I get along with fucking UNC Tar Heel fans because I'm a light blue wizard. <laughs> I get it. And that's why I like the Titans so much. And like, I don't know, man. I could just like I dig blue. Like I like um 
I don't know, man. It's uh, I've got, know, a, I've got a grateful, I've got a grateful dead steal your face Tennessee Titans mashup shirt, and it is my absolute favorite. You put this fucking thing on, man, and like so, I'm it's dark blue, so I'm blue wizard, and then I've got the steal your face skull, right? The like ubiquitous Grateful Dead like symbol on my chest, and then there's a big T in it, flaming T in it for the Tennessee Titans, and like, man. I make so many friends wearing that shirt because so many people are like that. That gets this huge giant Venn diagram of human beings are like, yeah, yeah. I like one or both of those things. Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's party. And there's a, there's such different fan bases that like, if you are both of these sort of. things, you're probably right. You're, but you're like a, you're like a very specific section of person if you're into both of them it says so much about you in two different directions yep yeah man except that i don't know man hippies are intense people like they get real riled up and fired up and like and sometimes it's nice to take that energy and like put it towards just like hoping that uh henry runs for a first down and then when he doesn't you can just be like okay none of that actually mattered at all (sighs) like this very low stakes chaos magic because the the ritual has no no real end or no meaning it's just like vict other than just sort of general victory i think that that is one of the better implications or not implications implementations of chaos magic because chaos magic is astoundingly powerful so if you're using chaos magic for things that are smaller i think that it is a much safer bet you're hedging your bets i will use chaos magic in uh in finding a parking space a lot of the time oh yeah where <laughs> i have a personal i have a personal symbol that i use that i that i divine my do you have a totem my, my i i do not have a proper totem i have a little totem in my car who who hangs out with me yeah that's a probably a really good idea for for doing what i do too which is i will begin i will i will envision that symbol I will make it as clear as possible as I can in my head, like on my way pulling into a parking lot. And then I will start visualizing the parking lot that I will or the parking space that I will have. I kind of like let the universe take over and take me like sometimes I'll be like going right down an aisle that I otherwise maybe would have kept going because I would want to get a little further. Be like, no, (laughs) I know where the spot is. It's over here. And more often than not, I get that spot. And when I don't get that spot, it's okay because like the universe still led me to the spot that I, I I parked in in that moment. Fucking awesome. And I love that also, like, I don't know about you, but if like, if I saw somebody take out like a stick and go, <laughs> a stick and go like, I'm going to find me a fucking well right now and start pointing. And I'd be like, sure you are, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, so for me, it's uh, my car. It's the, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say what it is or not, but it's the artful Dodger from, uh, from, from Oliver and company. Uh, remember Billy Joel, the little Billy Joel dog? Yes. McDonald's had toys back when I was a kid. And I've had this artful Dodger toy since like, God, the early nineties. And it's lived in every single one of my cars with me and he lives on the dashboard. And then when I need to get somewhere in a hurry and I don't want, and I need to avoid the cops, I pick him up. And I put him and I like have a chat with him and I put him up on my dashboard and then I like fucking start singing. Oh, why should I worry in my head <laughs> and, and just start and just start blasting and just fucking hit the gas, man. And I get where I got to go. Um, and like, I, man, I tell you what, I have I have 100 percent blasted by cops at like at ludicrous speed and been like, oh, shit. <laughs> Thanks, Dodger. <laughs> like you. You helped me out. Yeah, man. Driving is the most precarious thing that that people do in 2020. I think like 150 years ago, there were dangerous activities that people just had to participate in. There's basically nothing dangerous that anyone has to do now except drive. Like driving is the thing that that you do that every time you get in the car, you're like, I could completely fuck up and end my life right now, or I could fuck up and end the life of some other person right now. But think about there's so much power and energy in that. Like I find driving to be like, I find it to be relaxing because I know that I'm giving control over to the universe in a way. And that's why I like to just drive around and do nothing. You ever, I, my buddy, Paul, my, uh, my co-host and Miss Glazania and I talk about how your car is your steed all of the time and how you, <laughs> you've got to, you've got to have a relationship with it and with the environment and with like a higher power. It's like that rope that goes all the way up through you to like, you just have to like, you have to, you have to get into like an awareness and like, God, I love driving and, um, driving in Brooklyn, especially is like just fucking lawless. Like the lines don't mean anything. So you really have to connect everything around you, but also to your point, 
think about the amount of magic and ritual that goes into, again, people doing magic that don't even know about, slapping fucking stickers all over their shit. It's like, hell yeah, baby. You know what? This car is this car is powered by Dave Matthews and Trey Anastasia. <laughs> and I want, I want everybody, everybody to know slap, slap, slap. I'm going to put this all over my shit. And like, you know, like your car is that's, that's, that's big stuff that you're doing or just like weird rituals. Like, uh, when you put your, I, you know, when you're, when you're thinking to yourself, when you're putting your seatbelt on, like all sorts of stuff like this, just to like, like, you know, I don't know, weird, weird magic that you do to like keep yourself safe or get where you're going on time or yeah. So chaos magic is obviously the contemporary practice of magic. You know, it is the, it is the new kid on the block in regards to using your force of will to alter the universe for sure. But I think that one of the reasons that chaos magic, I mean, chaos magic, I, I think that in that same way that we're talking about, people don't know that they're using chaos magic. I think that chaos magic has been around in for the entire length of time that the universe has in that it is a channelable force. And I think that because it's something that doesn't have specific rituals and that it is something that you kind of like get to pick and choose, like it's like the breakfast buffet of magic. Hell you, yeah. You, it, there is so much that is lost in the practice of left-hand path or right-hand path magic in what I think that when, when people who practice more traditional schools of magic, they see ritual as this thing that is uh, like an obstacle in their path that they have to very carefully do their ritual or they won't be able to like get through to the other side of the universe. And I think that for some people who practice, you're describing mad- you're describing Catholicism as well. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I think for people who use that, like that, like are within that magical discipline, a lot of people who attempt to channel magic who are unsuccessful are unsuccessful because they don't see that that ritual that they're doing is not like a, a like a narrow tube that they have to like thread the needle just perfectly but like like uh you know like in Sonic the Hedgehog when you go through one of the 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 little things that make you go really fast yes right i think that that's what one of those rituals can be but if you're approaching that little spot really slowly and you're like just stand right on it you're not going to go anywhere no dude yeah sprint right? so you have to shit. like yeah sprint up to it and like use the other magic force in and around you to like to like let that be a catalyst for what you're doing but i think that in the same way those people sometimes look at chaos magic and they're like well they're not even doing anything like dude you're not doing anything you're just <laughs> doing you're doing like a silly thing that kind of honestly maybe i'll get some hate in the community oftentimes looks and sounds a little dumb, right? But the sure. thing is, is that chaos magic rituals do look and sound how, dumb. And how does any of that, that look and sound dumber than fucking doing the wave? Exactly. <laughs> the wave, the most the most powerful of all group incantations. It's pretty huge, pretty big one, man. Uh, I mean, being part of a big wave is pretty cool <laughs> you feel that vibration oh yeah jolting through your body like you feel the wave and when you're doing the wave right you don't even need to look at the crowd around you you just know when it's coming yeah dude and you just oh it feels so good <laughs> and again and where does that energy go it goes straight up your asshole and fires out your head up into like god knows where what you just <laughs> what you just done with that and, and essentially again i'm just screaming like hooray all blue wizards everywhere blue wizards you know like, <laughs> just yeah uh. Oh, dude! I for one, I for one am a big supporter of the uh, my community college, the Greendale Blue Wizards. We've been we've been doing pretty good this year. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you guys fucking taking it to the. We're going to we're going to regionals. Going now, to regionals. Granted, regionals is the one that you get to go to, whether or not you have won anything. Uh, but this is community college, so yeah. So, so we're we're just glad to get out on a field trip for a little bit. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a club sport. <laughs> they'll right, give, they'll give anybody a, anybody who wants one <laughs> gets a staff you get a crack at it <laughs> I could talk for a long time about my relationship with the deity that attempts to reside inside of Christian churches um, but those people man they take themselves so seriously with so very little sincerity and it drives me nuts. I'm like, if we're going to fucking be keepers of the sacred goddamn flame and try to get in touch with Godhead, like let's do it. 
<laughs> like fucking what is this grape juice you cowards like let's let's yeah, get in it is so weird because nowhere in the bible does it say like and god was very serious all the time and did not laugh no nah, dude he made platypuses he fucking he gets it <laughs> yeah he's like hey y'all y'all seen this shit y'all y'all been here look at this thing i fucked up a duck and a beaver i made it poisonous fuck this little guy I don't even give a fuck. Hey, check it out. Hey, <laughs> hey check this out. It's like it's all. It's called a llama. It's gonna, it's gonna, it looks like a horse that I stretched the fuck out and then covered in a sheep costume. And also, <laughs> and also, it can spit so well it'd make a camel blush. Look at this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Yes, always. Anything. What is the what is the weirdest thing that you believe? Okay. <laughs> the the straight up weirdest thing that I believe. Um again, I'm I like the the I I'm I'm not going to stick to this cop out. Uh but like the thing about like again, seeker of truth is the brand that I've given myself and it's so it's like I believe something and then I'll believe another thing and then I'll believe another thing. Um, uh, to quote Alice, I've believed sometimes as many as 10 things in one afternoon. Uh, I think, I think, so that being said, I think that I, I truly believe that it is belief that creates belief. Like I believe wholeheartedly in the power of faith. And so I believe that you can charge just about anything with with power and give it meaning if you decide that you are going to i don't know create a mango cult or a garfield cult or uh or or anything else like those those symbols like have power but you have to you have to put it in there um and you also have to connect yourself to a place where that power is coming from um, and I don't, I'm not sure if that's a cop out or not. I also 100% believe that if we could find the pyramid that's supposed to go on top of the pyramid of Giza, it would solve all of the world's problems. But that was lost millions of years ago in a fight between the Atlantans and the Lumerians. So we have work to do on that front. One of the, like my, my spots where I'm less informed is on the pyramids, not because I'm not interested in them. There's just a lot of knowledge that I still need to acquire. And, and it is it is geometric and it is dense. I like showed I don't remember if this is my my girlfriend or not. I showed somebody a video that like showed how precise the pyramids were made and everything. And I was like, don't you think that's crazy? And they were like, not really. No, dude, like, that's architecture. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, they didn't even have the tools we have today. You're like they're big triangle rocks what are you talking about it's not the empire state building yeah except that the the like ratios of the sides of the pyramids to the length of the pyramids is the exact same ratio of the size of the sun to the orbit with at which the earth or the the distance that the earth orbits the sun and uh oh man yeah there's 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 all kinds of fun pyramid math to be. I, if you want a really good read, uh, the View from Atlantis by John Mitchell is just just chock a block full of uh, all sorts of sacred geometry about the and it's it's it is a lot. And they're also built to the same the same ratios we're using the pyramids as Stonehenge and the same ratios point to anyway, I, I'll, I'll we'll, we'll be stuck forever if I start talking about ley lines. Hey, everybody, welcome back to our sacred geometry. podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, OK, so I want to I'm a backtrack a little bit. So your your belief that belief informs reality i guess is probably a simple way to to say what you said Would yeah you agree with that? yeah absolutely this has been something that i i believe and i don't know if it's just the kind of people that i know but this has been this is like the fourth time this has come up on this podcast of like a the the strangest thing that a person believes and not that i like if that is the answer to that question 
That's great. I this is like this show is like a survey of what the weird things that people believe. And I'm looking for the patterns. And I think that there is at least a certain kind of person that if they were to more openly discuss that that is their belief, um, not to say that anyone who I've had on is closed off about talking about it. But like if we normalized the idea that like reality is subjective, I think that would uh alleviate a lot of tension in our communities i mean the world would still suck in the way that it does now but i think we would feel more optimistic about working on it uh, i'm Absolutely. i'm definitely the kind of person that i am i am optimistic for the future and i know that that comes from a privileged position but like i live in my ivory tower at the top of a castle right and nothing will probably ever hurt me because i'm like a a straightish white man and and i I, uh, I I think that from that vantage point, the thing that I see that is different than the thing that a lot of people see is, well, yeah, well, things are slowly getting better. Now, that doesn't change anything that is happening now. And everything that is happening has to happen for the positive change of the world. There uh, are different periods. I'm not going to try and quote them in like Hindu philosophy that are like, you know, you will have periods of prosperity and you will have periods of growth and you'll have periods where things are bad but all in all the you gotta build the death star <laughs> to de- to destroy the death uh, yeah. star if nobody's building the death star then nobody gets to blow the death star up and there's no such thing as hope yeah yeah well and and uh another thing that i man where did i hear this the other day i heard somebody say like you have to oh i know what it was it was a uh, rap ferrera excellent excellent rap artist if you get a chance to listen to you he used to be called milo and now he's called rap ferrera but he said like the struggling is the thing that keeps us going like you have to have something oh, to struggle sure. against and i i think that that has given me an astounding amount of peace like i like i like to have a struggle it gives me an amount of peace in my personal life like i think that the there is the the bigger, grander struggle of like the the world and the planet and and the the peoples of the world. But I think that the struggle that people are facing that they are less well equipped to handle is the internal struggle that you have going on within you about like your ego and your personal life and things like that. And I think that if you address that thing first, you become a conduit for change in a much more powerful way than you would be otherwise. I also think that it's important to try and get your your the living God inside of you to cooperate with all the ones and everybody else. Like the everybody's become more powerful and we can do things together if we are if we're all working towards something together. Right. When like when we have a, a big belief split, um, which we've got a bunch of them right now, you've got a whole bunch of people putting a whole lot of energy into one idea and a whole bunch of people putting another idea, uh, energy into another idea. And if we all had one idea, then I mean, imagine, imagine what we could do to quote Bill Hicks. We could explore the cosmos in peace forever and it would be dope. I think though um, that if we consolidated our ideas into one idea, we would just create an Avenue. There, there would be a hole that would need to be filled by a difference of idea do you absolutely I, I know you're a little... eventually we'd run it we'd run into another idea and like those two ideas would fight until they turned into one idea and then we'd run into another idea and those two ideas would fight until they turned into one idea it's astounding that like roughly six thousand years after the creation of civilization like not the creation of people but like the the idea that like oh what if we just like started like make post-atlantean civilization yes <laughs> you're you're absolutely correct i i am the man with egg on my face here uh but no like we did we like the idea that we look at at what we have and we're like well we got to have some sort of conflict and then we have we have basically continued to resolve conflicts until our conflicts became headier and headier and then basically we have complete we like solved basically everything and we're like i will just go back to the base conflicts you're different looking than me. Uh, and, yep. and, uh, and we're like kind of, kind of like a little retro. It's like, ah, this is like a new, it's like <laughs> only 1890s <laughs> kids will remember. <laughs> uh, and I, I think that like, that's, I mean that I think there is a person who could hear that idea and they could think, well, that's a reason to be apathetic about all that stuff. But I think that that is a reason to be like, no, we, we have the power within us to change and to change for the better and to make the world better for all the people. 
So we just have to continue doing that. You just have to not become jaded because the thing is, is you're going to get past this point and you're going to find something else. The world is going to fill that void with like a little bit of evil. And like a, there has to be that little bit of evil. If that evil is the word that you want to call it, that little bit of Satan, that little bit of whatever it is, because you, you, you I think you, Satan's a pretty chill dude, but <laughs> well, yeah, um, uh, there is a, a Duncan Trussell said in an episode of his podcast that he said that the most badass thing about uh, the Christianity is that they get to use the word Satan. Like it's so powerful that they get that one. They're like, yeah, yeah, they yeah. have that general idea. I would agree with you, though, right? Like there is like it. it is a he is a, a chill fellow. He's a he is a, just one of the forces. He has that job. He has the job of being Satan. He's not being an asshole about it. Somebody has to do it. I suspect that the fight between God and the 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 entity that the Christians refer to as God or Yahweh or whatever. Again, I have a very specific relationship with this deity and he's kind of a chump. I think that he and his minion Lucifer had a chat and they sat down and they were like, Hey, Hey, you know how we can fucking keep everybody in line forever. (laughs) We pretend to fucking fight. And all of a sudden you've got two divorced parents playing their kid off against each other instead of the kid playing the two parents against each other because they know what's going on and you've got uh satan's just you know down in his place doing his thing i think it's much more of a hades and zeus sort of uh relationship than the 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 catholic church and the illuminati in general would have you believe to borrow another idea alan watts called uh, the idea i think that that we are heading towards as a a people is the thing that you must not know. And the thing that you must not know is that you are the universe experiencing itself. Yep. If we were just left to our own devices and these, the, you know, these two, the, the, the God, the Satan, the Lucifer, if they did not have that, that constant struggle, we would be so much quicker to realize that we are all one thing and that we are God, we are the universe. And it's like, yep. you're like, yeah, yeah. It's almost kind of like, and it kind of makes, we got to get everybody to smoke DMT if we're going to do that. So, <laughs> and and then he was like, you know what? We'll make that an Easter egg. I think that whoever created the universe, DMT is an <laughs> Easter egg. It's like you go to Peru, you mix these two plants together. And then all of a sudden you get to like, see the source code. If you have anything to plug, I would like you to plug it. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, you can, I, at this point, if you've listened this far, surely you have <laughs> the mystical Zanya podcast is, um, uh, goofy fun. And, uh, we've also got a couple other pie. I also do another podcast called child's play child's with a Z where my friend Adam and I are listening to every single kids bop album in order and seeing what that does to our brains so far. It's heroin. <laughs> um, and I show a lot of fun uh, as well. But uh, and then I don't know, man, I'm the star of a of a, a series on streaming on Amazon Prime called Millenniums. You can check that out. Or if you just want sort of uh, nonsense, you can follow me all over the Internet at R. Alex Murray. Well, hell yeah, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been just dude, like, thank you. It's a blast. This has been so much fun. This is like, man, when I conceived of this podcast, it was like, well, what podcast people do I want to come on? And I was like, I definitely want that Garfield podcast <laughs> to come on. Uh, yeah, but I, I appreciate it. This has been like, honestly, I kind of had a weird couple of days and this has uh, been something that I've been looking forward to and I feel very refreshed having talked to you. Yeah, same man. This has been an absolute blast. Thank you. I'm sure you will you will be back on and uh, and uh, and thank you so much and we will talk soon. Thank you. High Strangeness is an unfunny production. Our theme song is To Wake Up by Crystal Coast from the album 3. So is the rest of our music. If you have a question, you just want to tell me some dumb shit, email highstrangecast at gmail.com you can find me, Al Mirabella, on Twitter at at unfunny underscore period. You can follow the show at, at High Strangecast. If you like the pod, tell a friend or else, but also leave a review on Apple Podcast. Please do the call to action at the top of the show. Until next time, folks, stay safe and stay stranger.